On this episode of the Blue Falcon Initiative, it's the Masada Slim versus the Hellcat Pro. The world is a scary place, James, and in fact, I've decided that it is an oppressive place, and I have to say, I am an oppressed motorcycle rider. Would anyone care to guess who has done the oppressing against me? Uh, probably your own motorcycle. <laughs> probably the <laughs> no, seat. That's, <laughs> that's not true. Okay, I'm very upset about this, and I absolutely cannot let this go. I just spent three months working on a fantastic 1976 BMW Airhead, and James hates it, and by extension, <laughs> also hates me, probably all women, patriotism, red meat, and probably heterosexuality itself. It is a fantastic motorcycle. What is your problem? Uh, I don't know how fantastic it, it could really be if I'm giving you a ride to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking I, I admit, I did get a ride from you on yeah. an occasion yes. or two, possibly, Yeah, when all of my things were broken, but I have persevered and everything's running beautifully now. Yeah, and then you pull it up to uh, my driveway and it's missing a seat. And so I was like, Where, where's the seat? <laughs> it's not missing a seat. And you're like, no, seat. that is the seat. You're, no, you're no. sitting straight, straight on the frame. If you were any type of gearhead, you would understand that this is a Slash 7 that has been converted into a flat tracker style motorcycle, all tastefully customized at home by yours truly with a cheap welder and a brilliant <laughs> mind. Yeah, it just seems like uh, it's self-inflicted torture or something. Okay, well, yes. What I have done is I have lowered the... Uh, uh, the seat height by just putting a, a <laughs> it sounds ridiculous saying it. I know it does. Uh, but I just, I have a, a, a custom seat pan, which, uh -huh. which just means that yeah, you're right. It is a, a metal piece, a metal sheet on top of the frame <laughs> and it looks yeah. really cool. No, it just looks unfinished. It, no, it, it looks, it looks, it looks very good. I think good. that you have so much trouble with your motorcycle because you're intentionally trying to break it more. <laughs> I'm not by trying just to break it. pulling pieces off of it. No, everything <laughs> I've done has been yeah. according to plan, and uh, it th looks great. Th it looked great when you first got it. It was a classic motorcycle, <laughs> and there's some purists out there that are probably cursing your name right now because you forever <laughs> ruined that bike. Actually, uh, that is a, a complete, complete truth because the, the, <laughs> the Airhead community, yeah. it, it either goes one way. You can either be like a super mod you know, like, you know, a street rat, whatever yeah. you want, or it has to be perfect. Now, there's a gentleman here in town, and you've probably seen him. He's a, he always goes out to breakfast at, uh, yeah, at with, the little place. And he's got, a, yeah, he's got a pastel green airhead, similar yeah. to mine, mm -hmm. and it's got a sidecar for his dog. Yeah. And every time I drive by, he sits on, uh, he say, always sits out, you know, outside to eat at the yeah. little table, and he judges me relentlessly <laughs> when I drive by, because he does have a, a very, he has a, a whole myriad i think we stumbled onto a conspiracy i think that that person might be you from the future <laughs> whoa and is pissed off that because he's seen the route that you're taking right now that got to got him to where he is now yeah. alone you know nothing to do but <laughs> have long drives with his dog in the sidecar alone you say yes but but I mean, let's be honest. He does have a fantastic <laughs> airhead, so it can't. Yeah. The future can't be that yeah. that bad, you know. And maybe it is my future. Maybe I was a custom rat rod fella until I got things turned around, headed in the right direction, became a 
airhead purist, mm-hmm. grew a fantastic mustache, and yeah. got myself a dog. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't hate any of that. <laughs> Actually, it sounds fine. Uh, but I just want to reiterate, you are wrong about my motorcycle. It is very cool. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. uh, you, it's... Uh, I thought I was getting trolled, like, because you were completely <laughs> serious that that's how it's supposed to look. Yeah. It is yeah. very cool. It has it, it's it's fantastic. It's canary yellow. Yeah. It has those wide pro taper dirt bike bars. It has custom controls. It doesn't have any instrumentation. There's no speedometer. There's no tachometer. It has a custom freaking electrical panel that is behind <laughs> the driver on the left side on the yeah. frame. It's very very cool. Yeah, with some like obnoxious uh, switches on it. Obnoxious. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm. T- I. I. How, <laughs> how do I even process this? Any true man cannot resist <laughs> a silver momentary toggle switch with a red safety cover. How? <laughs> how are you saying uh, these has things? Has anyone else in the community done that, or did you come up with that yourself? No. I takes a. It does take a high level of genius to reach the place I've gotten to, and I am the only one here. I tell you what. Let's go. I be, I guarantee you, there's a community for that motorcycle on Reddit. Yes. Have, have you checked? Uh, I I know, but I'm sure there is. So you upload a picture of it from the Blue Falcon Initiative. Okay. Um, Reddit. Yes. And see, I just want to see you get roasted from. Uh, you know what? Let's see what happens. Because, yeah. like I said, you, there's there's only one of yes. two types, so it could go either way. So what we'll do is I'll post a picture. Post a picture. <laughs> it's gonna be so uh, post good. multiple multiple pictures of it. Yes. And say hot or not. Hot. Okay. I will put <laughs> hot, hot or not, and and we will count the amount of positive comments to negative comments yeah okay and i will report back and i'm telling you this is a cool bike also has dirt bike tires come on give me a break <laughs> it cannot get any better than this yes yeah, it's forever ruined you've well, ruined the is, integrity <laughs> it is forever something it's going to be yes. either forever amazing or forever ruined but <laughs> as of right now i do really like it it's very cool i think i'm going to put a bigger en- well not a bigger engine but i will increase the displacement yeah you next might as well year. do whatever you want to it yeah at, already... at this point it's just no turning back yeah. i don't have <laughs> yeah. i don't have any of the factory parts anymore yeah. they're all gone uh, yeah. So there is literally no turning back now. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see how that goes. So uh, so stand by on that. It has been quite a while since we've sat down and recorded an episode, James. Yes, sir. It has been quite a while. Uh, yeah. what, what have you been up to? What have you been doing? Where have you been? Uh, I just I got sent with our department to a course where I learn how to teach how to shoot and uh, get to do a lot of shooting. But that wasn't the focus on it. It was it was breaking down how the uh, how you teach the the structure the strategy. The even the the words you use in order to get someone to imagine how they're supposed to do things and you know and manifest it. So it's wow. really interesting. Well, that is actually really interesting. It sounds like like a very a much more scientific approach than just going to the range. So yeah, yeah, and it was it was uh, really it definitely made me a better shooter, and um, it really helped see the things that I've done wrong when teaching people, and um, you know. Ba- Probably giving them training scars and then how to go about it doing right next time. So it was really interesting. That is very yeah. interesting. And you came back with some, I mean, as 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 insane as you think my motorcycle is, some of the stuff <laughs> you were saying to me about shooting, I was like, what happened? What <laughs> happened to you? These are cra- crazy things. But we'll talk yeah, about that when we get into it. I joined the cult, I you guess. You did yeah. join a very bizarre type of cult yeah. uh, for general pistol shooting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll come back around to that later, so... Uh, what else you got going on? You still got some chickens out there? I haven't. Yeah, um, it's been extremely hot where we're at, and um, I, which I guess moved the mice inside our our house. 
and um, Nina's caught a couple of them, my dog. But I um, went to go put my shoes on this morning, and there's a bunch of dog food in there. And I was like, what? The, like, am I getting pranked right now? Like, <laughs> but I was trying to think, like, yeah, no one was at my house. And and um, I came to the conclusion that the mice were taking food from my dog's bowl <laughs> and then storing them in shoes. Because then I look at other shoes, and there's, like, five pieces of dog food in each shoe. Huh. Yeah. Well, I have a confession, James. I've been coming to your house in, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the night <laughs> putting dog food in your shoes. Yeah, jokes on I, it, it really it, it crossed my mind. <laughs> uh, but was, it blew my mind. I was like, what, what is going on? I thought I was losing it. Yeah. That is weird to take something that's edible and then put it in the least edible place, which is the toe cap of your shoe. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> poor decision making. Yeah. This is no good. Cool. So there's like a million traps across the house. So. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. I mean, everyone. That's just what happens to everyone here. Yeah, it's I went in town and me. all the traps were sold out. So yeah. I had to like go from multiple stores to look for them. Yep. Yeah. I, got, uh, I got the ants in about yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got them defeated. I jumped right on it and uh, I haven't seen, I see a straggle here and there, but yeah. But uh, I think I got that under control. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Don't care. I'm actually leaving that place in a couple weeks. So <laughs> the ants can have it. So. Evicted. Yeah. Actually, um, actually, this is news to you. I haven't even talked to you about this yet. I have a ton of stuff going on. Uh, primarily is I obtained myself an RV trailer. I heard about this. I but thought what, you might. What did you trade? For that RV. Okay, so here's the story. This is a fantastic this story. This is a, like a pop-up trailer or what? No, it's in a full-size 18-foot uh, RV trailer. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. Le- legit. Um, so how do I say this without giving away too much? Somebody we work with was trying to help out somebody else, and he let him put this RV on the edge yeah. of his property, and he lived there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Guy just up and leaves one day, and an, uh, and my friend is like, hey, man, where are you at? And the guy's like, I'm out of here. I don't care. Keep the trailer, whatever. So it was basically just abandoned on this guy's property. Yeah. And so he doesn't have any money in it. He kind of just wants it to go away. And RV trails are very expensive around here because you can live in them year round. I looked at one the other day. It was $7,000. Absolute piece of trash. So I, I go to my friend. I'm like, hey, I think I'm interested in this. And uh, I have a, a, had a firearm he really liked. And so he ended up just doing a straight trade. So I just got a house for the cost of a firearm, which yeah, is pretty which, exciting. Do you, do you care to share which firearm? Yes, that's fine. I did finally part with my KUSA KP9. A sad day. I never got to shoot that. To I be wanted sure. to shoot it so Oh, bad. it was unbelievably yeah. good. But I've only shot it once in two years. I went to a competition yeah. with it. Um, and as a minimalist, it's hard having stuff around that I don't use. It doesn't yes. feel right. And that's that 9mm AK. Yeah, yeah. 9mm AK um, uh, folding triangle stock. Yeah. I mean, it was what, just... Eight inch barrel? I can't like remember. That? It's yeah. something like that, yeah. But it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, shame to let it go, but uh, I think the gain was more yeah. than worth it, so... It's, it's going to be fun to see what you do with that RV. Probably just take all the seats out and throw them, throw them away. <laughs> What have people t- sit on the I, floor. I did take the seats out. You, uh, did, you already took the seats I out? Did. I've been working. Oh but it's only because I'm doing some, some repairs. So I did take a bit yeah. of a gamble on this because I went over to this guy's place and I was like, hey, let's plug the generator in and see what yeah. happens. So so I go over and we get the generator going. We plug it in and we can't get electricity anywhere. Yeah. No electricity, whatever. So I get it back to my place and I'm pretty good at stuff. And uh, I started chasing wires around. I was like, oh, this is a separate electrical system in here. Someone had abandoned the old wiring long ago. And so you had to plug it into a different place. Oh, cool. We got electricity everywhere in the trailer, which is awesome. Uh, and then I spent some time working on the water. I got within you know half a day, I got the water running. I yeah. got a couple parts on order, get the gas, gas going. And uh, I've just been doing like real easy, quick reno stuff. 
um, I changed, changed one of the walls real quick. I got some other stuff going, you know, like in, uh, in, uh, you know, most little RVs, they have like the two, uh, bench seats that face each other with like yeah. this table in the middle. Yeah. That Everyth- you, could, you could take out and sleep. Yeah. In everything is just so cheap. So I ripped the table out first. Right. And so I've got the two bench seats that face each other still, but I, I I've gone with like a kind of like a little table on the side that runs end to end. And it feels a lot like a, like an old classic passenger train car compartment, yeah. which I thought was way cooler. So anyway, just some stuff like that, <laughs> new coat of paint, new this, new that. And yeah. uh, I think it's going to be great. I've already got a spot for it, uh, close to where we work. So yeah. I'll save about five hours of driving every week, which would be nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, good stuff. So dude, sleeping it's- on the floor and- <laughs> I'm not going to sleep on the floor. It does actually have a place to sleep, yeah, which is kind of cool. But, dude, everything's been just projects for me. I finally got the truck finished. I got the manual transmission in. Mm-hmm. I swapped the automatic and put the manual in. It was awesome. Uh, I've been in vacation back home. I've been working on our 1958 uh, racing sailboat we have back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that thing is going to be probably next summer it'll go in the water. So yeah, a lot of work, a lot of mahogany, but uh, pretty cool, yeah. Uh, but a really interesting thing happened to me while I was in Maine, uh, which I did not plan at all. So, uh, tell us about it. I, it's very cool. Yeah. So, you know, we're afforded the privilege of being able to fly commercial aircraft, uh, you know, carrying firearms. Yeah. And so, um, I had my, took my service pistol, you know, easy to carry, you know, never fail. Good to go. So I get that back home and, and we went to breakfast with, uh, with one of my dad's friends and he's a, uh, retired law enforcement officer. He's done everything in in you know fire safety and law enforcement, communications, everything. And he's been a firearms instructor for like two decades. And so he's like, hey, why don't you come out to a match we're doing down the road? I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. So I was able to move some stuff around. I've never shot a steel challenge match. Are you familiar with steel yeah. challenge? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, steel challenge is five steel targets on probably four-inch posts. And one of them is red. You can shoot them in any order you want. You, they put them in various places or across the range. Yeah. And you have to shoot the red one last. So it's a little bit of strategy. And so basically, you, you can, uh, when, the timer, when the timer goes, you just stand in one place and you're trying to shoot all five of these as quick as possible. And uh, I end up winning the match, which was very exciting. <laughs> um, with yeah. a, with a, I got to say, um, the big thing to take away from this is that we're all on red dots now. We love red dots. Red dots are better. But you have to have the fundamentals to be able to shoot iron sights uh-huh. because I beat everyone at the match with uh, what is essentially a factory full size Glock nine millimeter, yeah, more or less with yeah. iron with iron sights on it, and I beat all the guys shooting twenty twos with optics, all the guys shooting nine mil with optics. <laughs> That's crazy. And it was broken into two yeah. two stages. After the first stage, I was ahead about two tenths of a second overall because what you do is you get up to the line and you shoot the stage five times in a row. And then they drop your 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 highest time, your worst score. Yeah. And then the rest of the four are combined into one longer time, right? And so the first stage was really fun. It was a spray and pray. The the steel was huge. Yeah. You could burn it down. I was about two and a half seconds for all five targets, which is pretty yeah. good. And there and um so they, but the change for the next second stage, they they significantly decreased the size of the targets and moved them way back. Yeah. You know, so now, you know, um, the guys who've been training, they really go to the top quick, you know, because it's not just, you know, moving around, spraying and praying. It takes a lot of skill to get there. Um, And I won the second stage by like four seconds overall, uh, which is a huge margin, just cumulative over the best four runs. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. So those are the two takeaways. One, you have to have uh, some type of fundamentals. 
iron sights can still be king, you know, as much as you practice, you know. The second thing is that you absolutely do not need the latest, the greatest, the fastest, the most expensive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just being able to go and shoot and be competent. And, you know, in this case, I won. I probably wouldn't win all of them like that. Uh, but all you have to do is show up with what you've got. Yeah. You know, so, and the bar to entry is, is super low. Bring anything you have. And it was fun. And the camaraderie was really good. Yeah. Um, another thing that we can take away from this is that, man, anywhere you go, no matter where you are, this is true of motorsport and racing and uh, uh, shooting. The talent comes out of the woodwork. There are, there's talent anywhere you go, no yeah. matter what. You know, I mean, there's always somebody faster than you. Mm. But, but that was a fun experience, man. Got to go up <laughs> and awesome. uh, just randomly go and, and uh, win a cool steel challenge match. It's pretty yeah. cool. Did you win anything? No. Brag, <laughs> bragging rights, I guess. Yeah, against a bunch of boomers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there some souped up uh, 2011s there or anything? Uh, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because when I was there, I got to shoot two pistols of notoriety. One of them was the the Canic SFX Steel. Yeah. The Tell ra- me about that. The race gun. Okay, so here here's the thing. It is exactly what you think it should be, right? And I feel like that's good and bad because the original ones that we had shot, you know, your wife's, yeah. you know, um, I mean, that's an excellent pistol. As is the steel racing version, but the steel version it it loses the surprise factor, you know the the how, okay so the four hundred dollar models are so good mm-hmm. and you can't contain how excited you are yeah you know they're excellent but you pick up the steel model and it's exactly what it should be and so it doesn't have that that extra excitement on top of yeah, it it, I get it it feels much more mechanical it doesn't have oh. the soul it doesn't have that scrappy feel like you know <laughs> yeah it just it doesn't have that. Um, is it a good gun? Yes. Is it is it as, as enjoyable overall as the cheaper one? Absolutely not. How was the trigger on that one? It was. It felt very similar to the four hundred dollar one. Yeah. You know. So I mean, um, it it was ported a little better. It had uh, uh, it, it had better serrations. Um, but other than that, I mean, honestly, I'd rather have the four hundred dollar yeah. version because it's just like you because you know that you've got the underdog. You're like, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna make something work with this, but the other one, it's just like it feels exactly like an $800 yeah. model should. And that said, in that price range, uh, I probably wouldn't buy it. I'd yeah. probably go with. the... I think it's still under a thousand, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's about eight to nine, depending. Uh-huh. But in that range, I would still, I would probably just go with a, a Walther Q5 match. Yeah, honestly, because you know, not only do you get uh, a tried and true company, yeah. the Walther trigger is better, definitely. But you get Walther's tenacious customer service. They'll do yeah. anything. Or just the Palmer version of the SFX, which is like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I would even yeah. pick. I would even pick that. Yeah, it, it wasn't a big enough gap for me to be excited about, mm-hmm. which was really, really surprising. I thought it was gonna. Yeah. I thought it was gonna have that same like mind blowing, surprising factor, yeah. and it did not, unfortunately. Another, the other pistol I shot, which is extremely relevant to us, is that I shot another Springfield Prodigy. And this is an updated version. They've worked out all the kinks, supposedly. Yeah. On all the stuff we talked about. It was still stock. It, w- it was still stock. Um, the biggest issue I had when we shot the original one was that the control issues. The controls were small. They yeah. were rough cut. They were so uncomfortable. You couldn't even access uh-huh. the, uh, the slide release. Um, and all that has been fixed. It's got that same great grip material as the Hellcat like we like. Yeah, um, throwback it, to our first episode, right? Yeah, episode yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you hadn't heard that, um, we we uh, we agreed that it was not quite there yet. Uh-huh. Um, but they addressed everything we talked about, which is exciting. So there were a bunch of LEOs there. Um, 
I talked to one guy, I met one really nice guy who who owns a staccato P and a Prodigy. Yeah. And he said he says honestly, I pick up the Prodigy over the staccato P now, uh, and that and that is definitely Whoa. something we can learn. Yeah, that's I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, the thing that we can learn from that situation is, I mean. That that guy's a psychopath. There's no other, <laughs> yeah. there's no other way to explain it. And he's wrong. It. And he's yeah. wrong. I mean, I I just I can't yeah. I just can't get there. It's 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 much much better, but it's not staccato better. Yeah, obviously for the price range. Anyway, man, all kinds of cool stuff to talk yeah. about. Yeah, wow, cool man. Very um, eventful. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and speaking of events, why don't we move on to the main event we've got Let's coming up it. here? It is the Israeli weapons industry Masada Slim versus the Springfield Hellcat Pro. Which was your mystery pistol. Yes, it was the mystery pistol. And um, uh, surprisingly, uh, I loved it when I got it. And I love it even more, dude. This mm-hmm. thing has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I never heard of about it until you you brought it up. So it's really strange. Um, I've been thinking about this, and I don't think there are many companies who make great rifles and great pistols. That's a good point. Yeah, and they've got. Uh, we did a whole episode uh, about that. The the Tavor X ninety five from Israeli Weapons Industries. The That's Galil. Right. I mean, the Galil is like the modern AK, the standard. <laughs> you know, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, they've always had the the Desert Eagle, the Jericho, which is the smaller Eagle, which I almost got. Um, and now they've got a, a polymer striker that is Israel's battle pistol. It's called the Masada. Yeah. And this pistol I've got in front of us today is called the Masada Slim, and it's the carry version of Israel's battle pistol. And it is a real firecracker, to be sure. Well, it's definitely a good find because I think we're both in agreement where we're trying to find something else that you know ninety percent of people don't have. Yeah. In a world of Glocks, it's 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 cool to find something like this that uh, that stands out. Absolutely. Now I shopped for that for, oh, let me go back and say, I just made this great comment about, you know, IWI for making good rifles and good pistols, but so does Springfield. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is really rare, I think, to be talking about two companies who have excelled in a massive, massive uh, differential type of way in their products. Yeah. It's it's probably the only two I could really think of because there's Keltec also, but they don't really make a good pistol that people can really... You know, stand behind. So. Uh, uh, agree. Good, yeah, I agree. Good uh, pistol ca- caliber carvings and good rifles, but uh, they really haven't mastered the like a, a good handgun. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, they're om- they're like almost there, but I definitely wouldn't put them at the at the uh, at the same level as these two for sure. I mean, you've got the Saint line from Springfield, the M1A. They got a whole yeah. bunch of really cool 1911s. Um, we can just ignore and pretend that the XD never existed. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> this is this is yeah. no good. Uh, but yeah, th- these um, these two pistols we're going to talk about: the Hellcat Pro and the Matsada Slim. Um, yeah, and we'll uh, give a little mention to the the Glock 43X. It was out there too. Yes. Yeah, so we or, went to the range and we had the Masada Slim, the Hellcat Pro, and the 43X. It, let, let's be honest: the 43X is sort of the control factor. It's the yeah. baseline. It's, it's what everyone I is think striving it was, to It was defeat. one of the first, uh, people weren't, weren't really talking about this, uh, micro pistol category. I don't think before like five years ago, yeah. cause it was just, uh, compact and subcompact. Right. Right. And then they, there's started, uh, guns started popping out that were even slimmer than that or smaller in different ways. Yeah. Because, you know, you would just take a, uh, a Glock 19 and then, you know, chop a little bit of the slide off and chop a little bit of the, the grip off. And then you had a 20, 26. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's still quite a bit fatter than a lot of the guns on the table right now. Yeah, um, and that wasn't something... I didn't realize how thin and streamlined these guns were until we put them all together and put them next to a Glock 19. I was like, wow, these are really small. Yes. And I remember about five years ago, like you said... This I, they call it the micro pistol, which is a little misleading because it's bigger than subcompact. Um, I don't think that really makes a whole lot of sense. But everyone tried to make the smallest pistol, and it, for like three years, all anyone cared about was increasing capacity in the smallest possible yeah, pistol. Yeah, it's, it's, it was. It's, it got to the point where it was so boring. They were all just making the same gun. Like yeah. they're so worried about whatever. It was else cool to see who was who was making their own version because I know yeah. like Mossberg has one now. Um, I think that is the un- most underrated cheap gun of all time i did a ton of research on that and the reviews are spectacular and um the torture tests are unbeatable but there's one thing that keeps that pistol from being in the category of the ones that we're talking about here what was that okay well okay so picture this like a shotgun company making a pistol yeah they did one shotgun thing to to their pistol to make it unbearably horrible what was that they put a cross bolt safety on it (laughs) Can you, yeah. in, in a world that yeah. we live in where no safety is On that is pistol? They, yeah, on the pistol. Oh, wow. A crossbolt safety on a pistol, which is just so unbelievably sad. Yeah. Yeah. If they can sort that out, I we, can't even we will have that. it on the table the next time. Well, we'll that's good because I didn't even want to look at that pistol at all. Just the thought of Mossberg making a yeah. a pistol that can rival any of these ones, uh, yeah. 43X or anything. I just didn't want to give it the time of day at all. So Yeah, and that's how everyone feels. Um, <laughs> because they may, they do one yeah. thing so well, I think they yes. had a really hard time getting away from that. Uh-huh. You know, like that is the affordable shotgun company. Yeah. It just yeah. is. Yeah. But yeah, but anyways, I think uh, Glock 43 was one of the first of that new category. Yes. The micro pistols, which is, like you said, bigger in ways than subcompact, but they're going for like more... S- streamline and slimmer easy to conceal yeah so and then the 43x came and in in my opinion that's the industry standard yeah it's so, it's the m3 of small guns it's like a if good you th- yes, to, to compare it to yeah if you yeah. want to be to beat them wm3 you have to come up with something that is unbelievably good and many have tried but i don't think anyone has succeeded in that uh, car space over here i think we've got something that's a little more equal um the one thing i don't like about these is that you know, I you know we all have t- everyone in the universe has so much Glock equipment. Yeah. But now we got to buy a new set of magazines, and now we got to buy yeah. new holsters. You know, but th- that's just what happens when you change the size of everything. And I have I I will accept that. I guess that's okay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we go to the range. Actually, you know what? Let me back up and say one thing. You never guess how I decided to give the Masada a try. Yeah, you never told me that. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to admit. Sometimes I go on Reddit and end up in unexpected places, okay? Not, no, yeah, you, no. Shouldn't, you shouldn't divulge that. On okay, that's not, that's not what I meant. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, okay, there's two, there's two Reddit pages uh, that are always calling my name. One of them is Name This Car. People post pictures yeah. of cars that are like, hey, what is this? I'm like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I got that. I okay, that so is. I saw that pop up on our, on our algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, another one that we just need to clear the air with is, have you seen that True Rate Me one that keeps popping up? Where did that come from? I have no idea. I thought for sure. Yeah, so apparently there's a, a Reddit called True Rate Me, and it's just... it's just Beautiful women. Beautiful women who are, who are, who are wearing uh, very modest clothing, and yeah. not, they're not posing. They're just sending in a normal picture of themselves. And just getting destroyed by how, Redditors. How did that get... I didn't go there. Did you no, go there? No, no. It's, it's just the algorithm. Someone must to, be yeah. running, running feeds or, or something. <laughs> no, but like, it, it bothers me because it's like, 
a woman that's like objectively in eight, and then you just see four, 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 four point five, five. Yeah. I don't, and I don't understand. That. I don't know why they do it. Like, okay, I just had to get that out. Yeah, I think that's absurd because honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never clicked on one because I don't know what the comments are, but they, I see them go through the feed. Yeah, well, because I, I, I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And then, yeah, so it made it worse because now it just keeps popping up even more. <laughs> well, every now that I'm thinking about it, everyone that I see fly by in the feed, th- these are these are like classically beautiful women. Yeah, you know, that's very strange. That's another whole podcast right there. <laughs> I guess we that's can a rabbit hole. Can yeah. slightly digress a little okay. bit. Okay. Anyways, yeah. So, how, so you, how you stumbled on this? Yes. Pistol. So name that car is one of them that yeah. I really like. The other one is there's a James Bond Reddit. And uh, there's always some James Bond news going on there yeah. that is ahead of the industry that you don't normally see. Um, so someone posted on, they went on there and posted, they said, they said, hey, what do y'all think the next James Bond pistol should be? And I was like, oh man. So I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. I was like, well. I think that was one of your, our questions too for the five round burst. Uh, was it? Yeah, you asked me that. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Okay, well, I yeah. didn't post it. But yeah. I got to thinking about it more and more. And I was like, it needs to be... Uh, it needs to be something fresh and unique. It can't yeah. be a Glock. Okay. I was like, he's got tons of ties to Mossad, you know, like in the books. I was like, oh, yeah. it'd be cool if we could go in like the Israeli route. Um, and I just kept going down the rabbit hole and everything I talked about this, I was like, I was like, no, this is the gun. And so I started researching it more and more. And I was like, I-, I have to have this. I have to try it. And I'm glad I did because it's absolutely amazing. So anyway, that's, that's the origin story. Yeah. And the, uh, I could see that, that this definitely could be a, the next James Bond gun because yeah. it's got it's small, you know. It's um, that was the other thing is it has to be yes concealable, subcompact or you know micro pistol or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this grip too, it it's got sort of a tuxedo look to it. Oh, good know? point on that. Yeah, yeah, very classy. Yeah, interesting. I love that. Good find. Okay, so let's do some more tactical comparison stuff. So so James and I have been to the range and we went through. A whole bunch of different drills. You know, we didn't go to the bench and do accuracy tests. No, we went. No. We went and did some. Uh, I think the first thing we did, we did a build drill. We did some transition drills, and uh, we just want to talk about how each of these uh, shoots. Uh, and we're gonna move that a little bit later in the episode. Right now, I think we should just start with the specs of each pistol. What are yeah. we dealing with? Okay, so I'll just talk about the Masada for a second. Um, this is 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 a, a classic modern take on concealable battle pistols okay we've got a polymer frame we keep the weight down 3.4 inch barrel steel magazines i'm so over polymer magazines yeah me too especially being on the 1911 frame now 2011 frame steel magazines are must this is a 13 plus one pistol uh and it's small but it does feel like a battle pistol what do you got on your side there james yeah um hellcat pro 3.7 uh inch barrel and 15 in the magazine plus one and uh, 21 ounces for weight. So Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, uh, a, little, that, a little bit bigger in, in, in all directions in the Masada. Yeah, uh, but, but just barely, like, like yeah. almost a I mean, fraction. Barely enough to even, even talk about. Yeah. Uh, I found a really cool website. Of course, I can't think of it. Uh, currently you can, that compares the pistols yeah you can look yeah. up any two pistols and you can like lay yeah. the pictures on top of each other for scale or kind of see what yes. the dimensions are gonna i think it's pretty cool and then uh the smallest on the table by a pretty significant margin in terms of these comparing the micro pistols is that 43x yeah i can't believe three how, point, yeah. how thin it is yeah. i can't believe it yes it's like a piece of bread 
<laughs> that's how skinny it is yes yeah it's, it's very very comfortable for appendix carry yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. um and we'll come back to to, to the feel of each mm-hmm. pistol here in a little bit um let's start like we normally do um which when we're comparing weapons uh yes. we've, we've been doing this with rifles um but it's going to be a little different with pistols and categories but we're going to start the same way the initial visual impact yeah you know what do you think? What, there, do you, what do you think when you see the Hellcat? Not your Hellcat Pro. Yeah, I know. Mine's you, all yours looks up. <laughs> amazing. But, I mean, out of the box. Yeah, well, so out of the box, uh, I did get that initial, um, like, a bit of surprise because I saw someone else whip it out the range, and I looked at it, and I was like, wow, what is that? Because it it's such a weird size to me. Uh, it wasn't a, a size of a pistol that I was familiar with before. I could tell right away that it was uh, quite a bit like skinnier or more streamlined than the the Glock 19 and um and then that the the uh stippling on the grip is what really caught my eye like the the grip how there was there wasn't finger grooves it was a little bit more streamlined and um the the grip just really want it looked like really inviting to put your put your hand around you know yeah it's uh it is it is fantastic one thing i really like about it um, it would be hard to confuse with something else. I hate when all the companies just make the same thing. But this one actually has, to me, has similar lines as, as that mid-80s Ruger P89. Yeah. And it's got that because of a little bit of a taper, uh, you know, from the rear of the trigger guard all the way up to the barrel. Almost yeah. almost high pointy. Or not yeah. high pointy. High, high powery. <laughs> high uh, power, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These adjectives are not going yeah. well. <laughs> Um, but it does look really good. Yes, and it's and it's definitely comfortable in the hand. And the grip, the grip material is is it is very very good. As far as the slide too, I don't like too much going on. I don't like I don't know if you know like Agency Arms and like their Gucci Glocks that they produce, but there's just too much going on. Looks like a transformer, you know, on on the slide. I don't, I don't like that. So I like more minimal minimalist kind of you know bare minimum on the slide going on. Which basically all these guns have right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really difficult going back and forth between these two because the grip angles are quite different. Yeah. And because uh, we were trying to do some rapid shooting before, uh, I I really like the Masada. Can you hold it up? Hold up that Masada for a second. Yeah. Look at that. It just it looks <laughs> almost it almost like just this side of blocky to me. It looks really utilitarian. Yes. It, yeah. It looks the same way. That the Tavor makes me feel, which is this is the the Krav Maga of weapons. <laughs> you know what I mean? It it just yeah. feels like it's always in fight mode. Like it it look it looks like a very fast muscle car that's been lowered an inch and a half. It looks like it's supposed to go to the racetrack. Yeah, utilitarian's a good word to use because like that's exactly what I look for in the pistols. I don't like too much flashy going on. I like something that looks mass produced in a certain way. You know, I I don't know how to explain that's. Yeah, no, I think yeah. I think I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, I think honestly we're gonna have to give this category a tie. I love the classic lines that Springfield has drawn from their uh, vintage production experience, and I love the the aggressive, you know, crouching panther look that the that the Masada has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they don't look too they don't look too different in in certain ways, you know. So yeah, this the 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 magazine cut well cut. It's a very interesting take right there. That is that is a very good point. Yeah. Um, so the magazine, most magazine bases are just pretty much flat across. Um, and we'll have to post some pictures of this. But this one is actually notched. There's a, a shallow kind of upside down V-shape that recesses up into the uh, into the grip. 
I don't know if if that helps you seat the magazine more properly. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, probably it, doesn't functionally hurt at all. Yeah, either. or if yeah. it's or if it's entirely styled, maybe somewhere yes. in the middle. But it's different, and different gives you points these days because mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So let's give them a tie, uh, one point each. Uh, yeah. For that one, that one's ours. Absolutely. Okay, so um, we're gonna move on to the initial cost of purchase. Now you've been like super raced out on this pistol you've you've put quite a bit of money yeah, into it yeah yeah it's a bit embarrassing <laughs> a little too much for a pistol that i started out for 450 i think you could get up they were doing um uh, like these big deals uh springfield was doing uh, was it it's like the the pro package or something and they were selling these guns for um under five hundred dollars uh, across various websites with five magazines and a range bag. Oh, that's awesome. Which you know the range bags keep adding up, but whatever. That's <laughs> I think other people like that stuff. Yeah. But the the five magazines was really good. Yeah, I did. I yeah. only got two magazines with mine. Uh, five yeah. magazines. I've never heard of anything coming with five magazines. I know. I think that's hey, everything should come cool. with five magazines. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's the first yeah. thing I do is I have to buy three more magazines yes. so that I can fill out my uh, competition uh, setup. Yes. Um, yeah. So I paid. Uh, I paid uh, four hundred and forty-seven dollars. It's a really good price for this one. I think so too. I looked for two. I knew exactly what I wanted. I was not going to compromise, and I shopped for two months before I could even find one that was available. Uh, you can't get them. I think. Um, I think that they're they're very interesting in the industry right now, and I think everyone's trying to get them. Um, I I do know this though. I don't think you can buy a Hellcat Pro now for under five fifty to six. Those really are the, those are the prices I've been. I haven't seeing. looked in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I double checked a few days ago, um, and it seems like the prices are going up, which is a good sign for Springfield. Yeah. It it must be a reliable pistol, and it must be very popular. Mm-hmm. So that's a win for them. Yeah. So and it's probably going to go into some other. Um, categories that we're going to do but like some of the differences between the um the masada and the hellcat pro i think are things that we like but but there's differences on the hellcat pro that are so user friendly for the new shooter and i know we're going to get into trigger but that's that's one of them you know yeah you might be right in fact that is the next category um but before we move on um initial cost of purchase i think we have to edge this one to the masada yeah because you know we bought them at the same price but the hellcat pro has gone up now yeah since then interesting so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give that one to the masada it is cheaper to buy still yeah uh, um trigger uh man we've got a lot to say about this yes we didn't do a trigger category for the rifles because it's really not as much of a factor you like your mil spec triggers I like a, a two-stage competition trigger, yeah. but it matters much less than it does in a pistol. To me, the trigger feature or however it feels and operates, it's like 75% of the gun or more. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it is the gun. Um, and on the Masada side, it, it's an absolute bullseye. For a striker, it is, it's yeah. It's better than probably everything except maybe one of the Canics, and, and it's definitely not quite as good as the Walther Q5 a factory trigger but there are some metal components in that trigger which the glock does not do this one's great it's very crisp it doesn't break like glass like like a you know a, a long range rifle or uh you know a 1911 2011 but because there are metal components in the trigger it doesn't creep at all you can't feel it squish you can't feel it move it's either it's either on or off which i when it's very hard to find that in a striker very excited about that yeah, let's see if we could pick this up on audio right here. Oh, yeah. This is the Masada right here. Okay. Oh, yes. And now here's the Glock 19. You hear a huge difference right here. 
You hear that spring after? Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good point on that. Because when we were shooting that Glock 19, it feels like the trigger fights you back after it goes off. It's yeah. not it's not a great experience. And that's not even a factory trigger. That's in fact an aftermarket Glock trigger. Yeah, there's something like really metallic about the Masada's trigger. Yeah, it fe- it, fe- it feels like you you know the metal trash cans with the big lids. It feels to me like you're just you're just slamming the metal lid on top of the garbage can. That's what <laughs> that's what that trigger feels like to me. The the Masada or the 19. The 19. Yeah. 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 No, you can you can feel it like it's you you pull the trigger and you just hear that little ding. And then on the 19, you pull the trigger and you, you could feel vibration after. That's a, that's yeah. a really good, you almost feel a separate miniature recoil yeah. in the trigger assembly. Yeah. There's a word for that. It's called trigger slap. And that was one <laughs> yeah. of the biggest things with older AKs with mm-hmm. the Tapco G2 trigger is, is the trigger would fight yeah. back after you shot it and it would get really yes. tiring. So yes. And uh, Hellcat Pro has a pretty heavy um, trigger straight out, straight from the factory. Um, it felt just like our duty gun. And, uh, which is a good and a bad thing. I think it's not, it's not that bad on your carry gun to have a little bit heavier of a trigger. Sure. You know, you're not competing with it and it gives you a little bit more peace of mind. Just, just knowing that it's going to take a little bit more pounds per pressure to, to set it off. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. now, now the problem I have with the Hellcat trigger is that, I mean, it, what, tactically or tactilely it feels great it's wide it's flat yeah and that feel of it against your finger is what i like but the trigger pull is so long like the first stage of the pull is so long Uh, it's got to be at least a quarter of an inch Mm -hmm. which is just too much for me and i have a hard time breaking this trigger without without feeling the creep it creeps maybe a sixteenth of an inch maybe a thirty second uh, yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't have that clean break, uh, like the Masada does, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think these are things that you know people that have been shooting for a while pick up. But I think the Hellcat Pro became so popular for new shooters. It's just, it's so user friendly. Like, yeah. it seems like a comfortable gun, like something that's not going to get away from them when they're shooting it because it's not too small. It's like the perfect size, you know, for a new shooter. And I think that heavier trigger would be a little bit better choice for. And, and someone new to conceal carrying, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't argue yeah. with that at all. But was, again, trigger just trigger performance between the two, I'd definitely give it to you. Yeah, I hundred percent. Yeah, I think I, I, I appreciate that. I think you're right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like if you don't shoot um, a lot and you can't, you're not going to tell a difference. Um, just like you said, that was a really good point. Um, if you're not, uh, if you're not like intermediate or advanced, none of the stuff we talk about is going to make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I took my Staccato home uh, last summer. And my dad and I were out shooting. He's got a he's got a Glock 19. You yeah. Know? And so I hand him the Staccato, and he shoots it a few times. He's like, he's like, man, he said this feels exactly the same as the Glock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've clearly lost on on some people, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah. But yeah, if you're just getting started, you're not going to know the difference anyway. Um, and uh, that's actually a really good uh, transition into the next thing I want to talk about. Is I think that the uh, well, the category here is ergonomics and controls. Yes. And I'm going to move recoil into into the ergonomics uh, mm. overall. And I think the Springfield's got a major advantage here because no, it, it I, recoils it, so yeah, well. Yeah, so I got mine ported, which is why. But straight out of the box, it was I, I remember one of the things that I noticed was how snappy it was. I was surprised at how snappy it was because it's it's quite a, quite a bit bigger than my wife's uh, 43X. Yeah. 
So I, I felt like they were the same snappiness. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I don't think I shot this before the mods. No, yeah, um, it was definitely snappier. Okay. So. so that makes us a little more yeah. even. Um, and this is like, no, I should say, I thought this was the nature of the micro pistol. It almost feels violent, you know, um, during recoil because yeah. it's the, the muzzle flip is gigantic and yeah. it, it's, it is almost a violent experience. I thought that was just a side effect of the category, but I'm telling you what, that 43X <laughs> yeah. shoots like a Glock 17. I know. I have a theory for that. So the 43X is 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 the smallest pistol on the table and handles the recoil the best out of the three. And my theory is that the angle of the grip is, is a little bit more significant than the other striker fire, fired pistols. And it um, encourages you to set your wrist and to set your thumb correctly. Wow. I, yeah. That's that's wow. my yeah. theory. So you're actually handling the the uh, recoil management better and the Glock angle is just allowing you to set your wrist better. That's that's my theory. Uh, man, uh, that I think that's absolutely phenomenal to have made that connection. I I didn't see that. Um and you know the other other thing that goes along with the angle of that weapon is that it's the same as all the other Glocks. So you're, you, yeah. you're tapping into the entirety of your muscle memory. For us who have put tens of thousands of rounds through our Glocks. Yes. You know, so every Glock you pick up is essentially the same, the same grip. Yeah, same so grip if angle. people don't know, uh, I don't know what degree the, the angle, the grip angle is, but they are slightly more leaned in. Like you're kind of, what's the, what's it's, the it's, it's very, di- I think the word you're looking for is rake. It has a more, po- a more substantial rake to it. Uh, it's yes. 108 degrees apparently. And, and I'm gonna and, and pull, up, pull up like a 1911. Yeah, that was what I was gonna yeah. do next. Um, yeah, and, and they're very. It's very hard to go back and forth between a Glock grip angle and in uh, a 1911. Yes, uh, they're just so different. Uh, apparently, hold on, I'm almost here. Um, it is about 20 degrees difference. Yeah, which is significant between the two. Uh, which is, I mean. Uh, unbelievably different. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you, you'll notice, you won't necessarily see it happen, but if you're behind the gun and you're looking, uh, every time you punch out, you're either, you'll tell, you're either your nose heavy or nose low, depending on which yes. way you're going back and forth. Yes. And like I said, that, that difference in the grip angle is going to roll your thumbs forward more and uh, like promote ro- locking your wrist. That's, that's why I think it, it, it feels like there's less recoil on, on the 43x split. Yeah, and and I think you're right. Um yeah. I, I think you've absolutely nailed it. I mean, um from like yeah. a from like a biomechanic standpoint, uh that that is that feels very solid. Yeah. I I don't think I could come up with a counter argument for that. Yeah, and there's nothing about how it's manufactured that would make it recoil less because like in theory it should recoil more. It's got a shorter barrel, you Yeah, know? Uh, there's less weight holding that barrel down too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. it does have a small weapon light on it. I don't think that's a factor here mm. for the amount of recoil we're talking about. Yeah. Um so I'm going to call that negligible. Um Honestly, if we were just comparing uh, the Masada to the Hellcat, I'd probably give them both a point. But since they're both so much worse than the Glock, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. give, I'm gonna give neither one of them yeah, a point. Yeah, the Glock. Yeah, yeah. I think the that's only, I think yeah. that's only reasonable. Yeah. Yes. Um, any particular thing you want to talk about on the controls of the Hellcat? Uh, no. Usually, one of the first things I used to change out, like all these all these Glocks are changed out, um, is the the slide lock. I usually. Oh yeah throw in a, like an extended one in because uh, I when, when I used to do classes like it would your hands would get moist and it would be hard to to um, 
engage that slide lock. Yeah. Um, but I, as my shoot shooting has grown, it's never become a problem past that. And I haven't really had a problem with the, with the Hellcat pro, but I see that out of the box, the Masada seems to be way more exaggerated, it, which it, is, is a good thing for any shooter. Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely does look like it has a set of aftermarket controls on it. Um, the magazine, I don't know if it's the size of my hand, but the magazine release in particular is just exceptionally placed. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. Yes. It's, it's heavy. It's tall. Um, and I don't know how they did it exactly, but the the positive spring release pressure in that pistol is unbelievable. Yes, um, that thing will eject an empty magazine. Yeah, we were going a, through all the pistols. Yeah, and, on yeah. a level plane, it will still push the magazine all the way out. I think those are the two biggest things I look at when I look at a, a new pistol: is the magazine re- release and the slide lock. So yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, I will say that mine is probably a little more complicated to take down. I don't care. That's done on a bench. That stuff yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Um, uh-huh. I will say um, I didn't put a modularity category in here, uh, but I want to just bring that up in the control section. You can take the entire trigger assembly out of the pistol um, just mm-hmm. like you can uh, like a cassette trigger in a rifle. A, a yeah, or like a SIG, exactly. So if you yeah. wanted to replace a certain component, you could. Um, I like that. I think that... Um, as far as maintenance in the field, you know, we talked about that with the rifles. I, that's great. That's the future of pistols. Modular I think. pistols. I think it's on the way, yeah. and, and SIG definitely has uh, is responsible yeah. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And what about uh, so? There's a, the first thing I noticed when you when you showed me this pistol. There's no rail. Yeah. On it. Um. Very surprising for something whose pedigree is from a battle pistol. Um. I personally yeah. don't care, but yeah, you you. I think that's going to be a standard now moving forward. I don't think I don't think many yes. pistols could get away with that, but this one has so many yeah. great things to counter that. Um, so there's mm-hmm. so there's no night. It was 1913 pick rail, what or whatever. Yes, it is. 1913. 1913 yeah. So you can't have a weapon mounted light unless you did something like the like the Glock because the Glock doesn't have one either. Uh, it does now. the The 43x MOS comes with the okay, rail. Good to know. So this was just the first generation before they did that. So they, even they they realized that. They that the the people wanted the um, the rails to put, throw in because you could put this this TR, TLR seven sub on the the new forty three X MOSs. I think and, that's uh, that's awesome. I would be shocked yeah. if the next generation Masada Slim didn't have that. What's a yeah, little more yeah. plastic tooling? I mean, that's in, inexpensive yeah. and yeah. And this one's definitely big enough to handle. Oh light yeah, I think it, so. I think so too. too. So. Just, yeah. just add it. Yeah, just there go for go. it. Um, so, what do you think? We gotta put a. We gotta uh, give a point. I, I, I'll give you um, the controls. Definitely. Okay. Uh, out well, of the box. Let's, um, yes. let's do ergonomics and controls separately. We'll do a point for each. I'll definitely take okay. the controls one. Yeah. Uh, ergonomics, though, as far as how they feel when they shoot, um, I, I think they're the same. Um, the 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 uh, the, gr- the grip material is excellent on both. All the controls are accessible, though mine are a little taller. Um, they recoil the same from factory. I think they both get a point for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stippling, you know, is is something that I'm really into. But you, these are perfectly, you know, they have the right texture because you can't go too rough because people are going to be wearing this on their appendix or lower the back, and it gets really annoying if you've ever carried a gun with grip. Tape. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Horrible. That's yeah. That's that's definitely yeah. a no, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah. uh, going good so far here, man. Um, it looks like I'm pulling away slightly, uh, but we'll see yeah. what happens in this next one. Uh, we got to talk about holster options. This is a, a, a big category that has to be discussed when considering your next pistol. Yeah. And I'll tell you right away, 
I'm not going to win this category at <laughs> yeah. all. There are maybe two, yeah. maybe three companies that make holsters for this gun. Yeah, as of now, I saw the the market grow for the the Hellcat Pro like really really quickly because when I got this one, there's probably three companies that had the exact um, you know option for the light I had and and red dot and everything, and now there's a million. Yeah. So as the, as the Masada grows more popular, hopefully you know the market will fix that. Well, this instantly. is the weird part. I don't disagree with that at all because I know you're right. But so there's something strange about the IWI Masada, and it's that, I mean, we all knew about the Hellcat Pro when it was coming out, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, the holster options quickly caught up to the gun. Yeah. But you hadn't even heard of this pistol when it showed no. up. And I, I think if this is probably, I mean, arguably the best pistol under the radar right now. And I, I'm yeah. not sure if it'll come out from under the radar, you know, because the Jericho never really did. The full-size no, Masada yeah. never did. That's been out forever. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure this one will actually do the same thing. I think it's just their marketing technique. I just I don't think they really market care to market into U.S. markets. There's a lot of companies like that, like HK is kind of like that. You know, now like you that. said it, I'm thinking, and I've never seen an ad for an Israeli pistol anywhere. Yeah. Wow, I've never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, HK has a million guns that people are just drooling over yeah. and would throw throw an insane amount of money yeah. at, or their mom's yeah. money at. <laughs> and, uh, like, the, we're never going to get a HK416 no. or uh, MP7 in the U.S. market. What a so, shame. It, and, uh, that, and I think the Masada is the same way. Or the, wait. Masada, yeah. Uh, IWI is this probably the yeah. same way. Yeah, and probably know. right. And maybe they're so tied up with military contracts they don't care about. Yeah. You know the civilian side. Uh, maybe they're one of those companies that that is completely fine with their reputation speaking for itself. You know that worked with the Galil, it worked with the yeah. um, you know the the Tavor. Uh, so they're no strangers to just letting their their stuff talk. You know, which I think is fine. Um, but uh, if you're looking for a gun um, of this size in this category, you need to at least you know research the IWI. The access to um, holsters is is a big deal when you're going to carry this gun. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can make or break in that gun if you, if you didn't have options. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, this this particular weapon is so good. Uh, my gut is saying that this one will expand to some degree on yeah. its own. Um, but the holster options are going to be. Well, so, what did you one. do for this one? For a holster? Yeah. Okay. So, for those of you who are who love appendix carry, um, and 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 I hate carrying appendix, but I prefer to shoot from appendix. So I'm in a nice little carry paradox for myself. Um, the only company I could find that had the something similar to the U.S. Galco King Tuck, which is something I've talked about before, um, was unfortunately it was crossbreed, and I decided to pull, <laughs> pull the trigger and see what was what. Yeah, uh, and it was a terrible experience. Um, the the cut that they send you, um, and, it, and for those who aren't familiar with the King Tuck, it's a leather back with a Kydex front on it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the cut was so poor that there's no way you could ever slip yeah. your thumb behind the gun to get a grip on it. Um, yes. You would have to draw the gun with your thumb on the back of the slide to get it out, which is unacceptable. Um, I had uh, dying issues with mine. Um, I paid an extra 10 bucks to get a certain color. Um, and unfortunately, when I took the the clips off the holster to adjust the cant, they never died under uh, where the clip washers were. So there's yeah. just it's just this ring of just awful natural yeah. nothingness. So obviously, I'm pretty uh, you know displeased. So yeah. so I got into contact with the company. I said, hey, I, I can't even can't even grab this, 
and y'all did a terrible job dying it. And of course, I got some salesman who just said the first thing he could think of off the top of his head. He's like, "Oh yeah, well, uh, you know, the dye will fill in." And the, and I'm like, "You, none of that is true." Dye will fill in. He said the dye would fill in the empty spots. I'm like, I know that's not true. Yeah, and it's been months now, and it obviously hasn't happened. So, um, so I just took it and ran with it. Um, you know, I'm handy enough to pretty much fix whatever. So I put my own cut on the leather so that it pretty much matches the, uh, the King Tuck and it's usable now. I used it quite a bit at the range Yeah, and it's functional. It's not great for those of you who like appendix carry. Um, there are definitely more options for that. Unfortunately. Yes. I, I would say stay away from crossbreed. It's, it's a company that you see like big advertise, big advertisements for, uh, if you're on YouTube or something, and I think they just make their money off of people that have are getting their first um, concealed carry holster ever and just don't yeah. really know what the options are. It's, so. it's the 511 of holsters. Yeah, that's like perfect. Yeah, And and not the early 2000s 511s. Yeah. It's the current 511 yeah. of yeah. holsters, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so don't do what I did. Uh, lesson learned the long way. I paid $75 for that piece of garbage. Yeah, it sucks. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, so I'm not too happy about that. At least it's functional. Yeah, yeah. Um. obviously you get the point on the uh, the holster stuff. Yeah, for uh, now. Yeah, for now. Much more accessibility. I don't see mine catching up to the same degree. Yeah. Uh, but it will expand some. That's fine. So let's talk about some of the stuff we did at the range. Um, we both, you know, got to shoot all three of these pistols in various configurations um, in different situations. So we did a bill drill uh, from concealment. And uh, a bunch of weird stuff happened, and um, James was very fast. Um, um, of course, you being an appendix carry guy, you got um, you. <laughs> so yeah, the so this, this, is, so this is a horrible test because we don't we're not using the same um, carry method. Yeah, you know. So, but just you know, take it yeah. for what it is. Just as an anecdotal yeah. comparison, you actually got the fastest time on that with the Masada. From my holster at four yeah. o'clock position, which you're not even <laughs> used to, which is yeah. crazy. Uh, and you did it in one point eight seconds, so that's pretty reputable. Yeah, for something and I think that's never, all all thanks to the trigger, right something there. Something you've never trained with. Yeah, um, I think it it is almost entirely to the trigger. Uh, I mean, one your skill of draw definitely, but the trigger um, is much shorter uh, to reset and fire than the yes. Hellcat. I think that that was yeah. the difference in time. I thought the recoil management because of the. The port would have helped out for that drill to help stay in cadence, but yeah, but it was definitely that trigger the reset. Tr- it just took so yeah. long to reset, and you're, yeah. you're eating up, you know, a tenth of a second doing that. My fastest time was a two point three with your Hellcat, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're yeah. kind of flip flop. But you got me about half a second on that drill. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, somewhat reputable, uh, halfway decent times for stuff we've never trained with, which yeah. is uh, which is pretty good. Uh, second drill we did, um, this was probably from 15 yards out, and we had a 90-degree transition. So um, we'd have to um, uh, shoot one target way on the left, turn 90 degrees, and shoot it uh, way on the right. Um, and uh, I was able to uh, I was able to get this one. This was very close. I got the fastest time for me was with the Masada in 1.2 seconds yeah. to get both of those targets. Uh, you did it in 1.29 uh, less than a tenth of a second. You did that with the Hellcat. Um, <laughs> we're have to come, we'll come back. You know what? Let's let's, let's do it. Let's, this is the let's wild jump card. it in right yeah. now. Okay. Let, let's just let's just talk about it. We're gonna we're gonna throw in like a huge wild card factor here, which completely blew my mind entirely. So, mm-hmm. James, you've been at this great training um, to become a firearms instructor, and you've been shooting with some of the best shooters in the country, like mm-hmm. you know, top shot. Um, I mean, absolute units behind. Yeah, you. these guys go out and compete, and they win everything. They're trying to to make some new curriculum 
Yes. To start everyone off in a brand new location to try. Go ahead and well, take, take they, the reins on that. They kind of reverse engineering what we've been taught. Uh, ever since I've been shooting, it's all about front sight focus. Uh, I even went to a shooting class that's called front sight that's all wrapped you know, completely around the ideology of front sight focus. Yeah. Now these professional t- uh, shooters are telling me that everything I learned was wrong. Um, or inefficient, you know, like for building strong shooters. So they wanted to prioritize throughout the entire course, uh, threat focus or target focus. And, um, you know, all your vision focus and engaged on the threat with the sites or, uh, secondary. And this is in order to build everything else, like your stance from the ground up, your grip, your posture, uh, the tension in your hands, everything. Uh, if that's correct, then it, the sights aren't even going to matter. So, so what what James is saying here is that um, you don't need sights on a pistol. Some of the guys you trained with said that you can shoot out to 100 yards without any sights on the gun, whatever. No, they said they using threat focus. So using threat focus. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, um, which is completely remarkable to me. Yeah. Um, and you wanted to, and you showed up with a gun with with your Glock yeah. at the range, and you handed it to me, and you said, "Hey, what uh, what do you see that's different about this pistol?" And I flipped it over like twelve times. I'm like, "Um," uh, and I couldn't I couldn't see anything that was yeah. different. And you're like, "There's no sights on it." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, because you wouldn't have even thought like that's yeah. No, who would do that? Who what who would take <laughs> their seat off their motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, so James has uh, the gun with no sights on. Yeah. Uh, it is just an entirely flat top of slide on a yes. Glock. Um, the crazy thing about this is that we experimented with it quite a bit. And on that same, <laughs> so stupid, on that same 90 degree transition drill, 15 yards each, I actually got the fastest time of the day on that, a 1.1. With your Glock with no sights. Yeah. It is entirely instinctual. That's where, that's where the light bulb comes on. Like, you, you, yeah. it sounds like uh, like they're, you know, snake oil salesmen or whatever. Yeah. And then you do it. And, the, I mean, that's how they proved it is that they they did the drills moving yeah. back to 25 meters. And then it we didn't notice that they had no sights on the gun until they, they showed that. I, I, you know, I mean, the, I'm completely flabbergasted that this is what we're talking about now. Yeah. You know, that and, and it's very exciting too because over the decades there have been so many changes of philosophy in pistol shooting alone. You know, yeah. you, you remember uh you remember reading the old Tintin comics? I don't think so. You don't remember yeah. this guy? Well they no. taught him to shoot like almost like you were holding a baby. You would crook your arm and you'd set the pistol in here oh, yeah. and shoot like that. That's like the Marine Corps. That used to yeah. be the way to shoot a pistol. And then back in the 60s, it, it was like you grab your opposite wrist. Yeah. You know, and it's just exciting to be, you know, you know, to be aware of this next big change that might be happening. Yeah. Um, but the results are right there in the pudding, man. Um, I shot faster without any sights yeah. on that drill yeah. as compared to a pistol with a red dot. I can't believe yeah. it. Because you're a shooter that's that's done, you know, th- thousands and thousands of dry fire. Yeah. And that's what it's yeah. meant for is... is um, to build everything else. Cause if you're, if you're, if your foundation from the ground up was wrong, then you wouldn't have been able to hit anything. Yeah. That's a really good point too. And, and, and maybe I have a slight advantage in this instinctual shooting space because I've shot quite a bit of USPSA now. 
And, you know, depending on where you're at, the stage distances, you can shoot upwards of 50, 60% of a stage yeah. with a staccato w- without even looking down the sights. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you see John Wick do it all the time. You turn, tip the gun slightly in, in yeah. one side or the other, and you use the corner of the slide to just estimate. Yeah. And that's what's happening here, except. You're just looking and shooting. It's, yeah, all you're doing is just you're just you're just looking at the target and pulling the trigger. Yeah, you're yeah. almost almost absent of the fact that the gun is in front of your eyes. Yeah, and it's it's you know a significant difference in time because you're not lining up the sights and waiting until it stops moving. Right. You know, you're completely alleviating yeah. an entire third or up to half of the time it takes to shoot something. Yeah. We experimented a little bit further and we went on to three other steel targets. This was at seven yards. Yeah, and I I can I hit all three of those. With the Glock in 1.26 with yeah, no sights. Yeah. It was really, really quick. And then yeah. I did it again at 1.3. So yeah. it's not a fluke. This is a real thing. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd like to mess with it some more. Um, and I, I, I understand what the point of it all is. Like, I think that they want to start the other way with when, when you instruct someone because they want to build that intuition first and, and get them like st- stop focusing on equal height, equal light, all that stuff. Right. Well, that's so interesting to me yeah. because we've talked about, I started to talk about instinctual shooting on the show a few episodes ago. I can't remember where. But to me, that's like, hey, this is an advanced technique. So we yeah. do fundamentals and then we do the intermediate stuff. And now we can start ignoring more of the pistol and just yeah. let and just let your, you know, your, your body take yeah. over like it knows how to do. But they flipped it on their head. They want to start. They want to start with yeah. the instinctual stuff because they, they believe they believe that you're slowing people down by instituting those, you know that um, everything you were just talking about, like that approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just I, I love trying new things, and yeah. I, I think that's just so exciting. Yeah, there's something very exciting about shooting the Glock with no sights and then hitting the steel. I don't know what it is, but there's nothing more gratifying <laughs> than hitting something. <laughs> what with a gun with no sights yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me a break oh it's completely unbelievable and completely blowing our, the other times out of the water too you yeah know? I mean to, to to be able to do it is pretty cool yeah but to show up and shoot faster than all the red dots that we were testing as well that that's just stupid I, yeah, I yeah. mean how do you explain that yeah I think my time uh was also faster than I don't know if we have it documented but was also faster than shooting with my Hellcat Pro yeah on I, that first steal yes I yeah. think you're right I it didn't get notated but I, yeah. I do remember that being the case yeah but um so if you take anything from this episode go and Throw your sights in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, yeah, especially on your self-defense pistol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's yeah. all it's all coming apart. All right. Anyway, so let's get back on track. Um, we've got uh, we've got one more category for okay. the uh, for the comparisons, uh, and it's concealability. Uh, and honestly, they're the same. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything more to say than that. Yeah. If anything, you, like. If you're really racing for the fractions of an inch, um, then the Masada gets it because, like, I I I notice a huge difference wearing the 43x versus the Hellcat Pro. And, oh, definitely. Yeah. And I keep reaching for the 43x, unfortunately, uh, yeah. over and over because it's just so much more comfortable. Well, that, that's why yeah. people keep buying M3s. Yeah, it's because they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, okay, man, that pretty much wraps yeah. up the uh, the comparison categories. It looks like I've got you uh, five to four. It was close. Yeah, yeah. It was very close. Yeah, um, so, so it's a pistol worth checking out for it def- sure. It definitely is a pistol worth checking yeah. out. Um, ultimately, though, um, they're so close. They're yeah. so close. Um, uh, I really just, I think it's just really brand loyalty and the aesthetics is what's going to tip you in one direction or the yeah. other. Um, if you, if you're into the, I mean, j- just to keep in mind, you know, rapid shooting, it, it's going to be the Masada is the winner yeah. for the, the trigger reset. Yeah. But other than that, it's, we almost learned almost, I mean, I, we almost learned nothing <laughs> because we were striving. I thought that one was going to pull out ahead of the other and it yeah. never did. And we're like, wow, these, this, this is the same. Like, and then we started shooting the Glock 19. And then, we started, <laughs> and, and then as confused yeah. as we were, we took all the sights off the guns and just yeah. started shooting everything. Yeah. yeah. So what did we learn? Uh, absolutely nothing. So uh, fun day at the range, though. There's no doubt about yeah. that. I do want to talk a, a little bit more before we we move on too far. I think we've um, we've pretty much covered. Well, we did a, a pistol red dots episode where we talked yeah. about all our favorite red dots that we've used, um, and that was an excellent episode for sure. Um, but we've got a new one here. Oh yeah, I did uh, finally. I've always wanted to try the the Sig uh, Romeo Zero. Um, very small. Um, you know, SIG has brought the cost of red dots down probably more than any other singular company. Um, very surprising. A lot of people hate this thing because one, it's small, uh, but two, it has a polymer, uh, a polymer frame. Mm -hmm. So here's why I'm okay with this. So, um, actually in the last episode, James, while you were away, um, um, I had the, I had the useless strangers with me and we briefly talked about the, the virtual shooting simulator thing we have uh, at our uh, at our availability where we use for training we run the virtual scenarios we've got the the cool you know co2 pistol that you know yeah sh- you shoot the screens that are around you whatever um in all of those situations i don't use the sights i don't think there's yeah. ever been a time in a stressful situation where you know a typical person has looked down the sights those yeah. are all instinctual shots every yeah. single one of them and and most of them are hits which is great um, so people's arguments about, well, oh, the window's too small, you know, you, you can't get a good sight picture through it. It's BS. Okay. Uh, I think 99 times out of hundred, you're not going to be using your sights in a self-defense situation. You're pointing and shooting, you're railing. Okay. Um, I don't remember, I can't remember where this was. i I would never be able to find it again, but there was a church shooting, um, maybe oh, yeah. two or three years ago. This guy had a micro pistol. The, the, uh, the guy who took the bad guy down micro pistol. And he got a headshot from across the church. On a moving target. On a moving target, probably 20 yards. Yeah. So, no, you're not going to use your sights normally, but yes, I have one for that 20-yard shot. Precision, yeah. For the precision. Um, and I think it's I think it's a fantastic sight for what it is. Um, we talked about this a little off the air um, the other day, James. Why is a plastic housing bad? You know, all, all the rest of the guns made out of plastic. Why yeah. can't the sight case be? And I think we landed in the same place. It's not a factor for me. Yeah, uh, I actually don't care. Yeah, it's it's, it's not a duty site, so it, yeah, you know, it, it, agreed. It's not. I can a, I can totally forgive it. You yeah, know. it's not a battle site. It's a great carry site, though. Yeah. And when you buy one, you also get a separate steel housing that you can mount, and it wraps over the top pretty tight. So if that's your thing, whatever. Um, Loctite and torque, no big deal. Um, three MOA, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, for what you're getting, it's got Sig's Motac, which is the motion activation. Um, I probably would never buy another red dot that didn't have that feature. There's just yeah, so shit, many you know, have for it. the Halston, it's shake awake. So, yeah, exactly. And yeah. um, one thing that we found was very surprisingly good about this was the glass. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, yeah. it, it is excellent. Um, yeah. even at 50 yards, 
Um, there's no distortion whatsoever. It's it's crystal clear. Um, now, what do you have on the Hellcat? We had an issue with that one when we were at the range. Yeah, um, it's the Hel- the Hollow Sun 507K X2. Yes. Um, yeah. At 50 yards, we were both really surprised. It, it took on yeah. a, a significant like fishbowl type of distortion. Yeah, yeah, like on the edges of, of the glass, it was a little distorted. Yeah. Now, what do you have in yeah. that for, um, for, for money, James, that site? I think this is like a mid-200s. Red okay. dot, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that that bothers me quite a bit yeah. because um, if you're deal shopping and you look, I bought that Romeo Zero brand new for 119 dollars. Um, I mean, half the cost of the one, and the glass is just so much better. I think that's amazing. The um, uh, the red dot, you know, like most red dots, it's not a perfect circle. Like I say, it's more a little bit more of a bursting star. Um, it's clunky to make your um, your reticle adjustments. Um, but once you have it set, it's set. And we shot all three of these guns, all four of these guns actually, yeah. out to 50 yards um, with with great results. Um, I went two for two at 50 yards for the Masada, two for two with the Hellcat, and two for three with the Glock with no sights. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so which, is just, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and you had similar results as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, same thing. Um, all these, I mean, all three, all four of these pistols, um, are great out to 50 yards. And for something, you know, like mine, um, what did I say I mine had? Mine had a, a 3.4 inch barrel. Yeah. Um, and for something that small to shoot that well at 50 yards is remarkable yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the, the Sig Romeo Zero is a huge win. If you're on a budget project, you know, definitely put a bookmark right there, man. Oh, 119. Yeah. I yeah, can't believe what you get for 119. This Hollow Sun is probably the most famous, uh, carry optic that there is so yeah, yeah. i would definitely you know just based off of that information with that 50 yard test i'd definitely look at that romeo yeah absolutely uh, at least do a little shopping if you're uh if you're uh, uh if you're in the market for sure uh anything you want to do to to wrap up that uh, that segment there james no that's it okay yeah lots of interesting uh revelations yeah uh, lots of surprising things happened um and uh, hey, let's move it on to the five round burst. This is going to be a survival preparedness check, James, to see where you're at on your uh, readiness for various things to happen. And uh, I think uh, I've got I've got uh, uh, four things that I think everyone needs to uh, All right. uh, to be ready for uh, in the event of catastrophe or emergency. Okay, so number one. Do you have some type of food supply stored away? Uh, food. I I have a surplus of food. Okay. How long yeah. do you think you could you and your wife could last? Probably I could stretch it for. Is is the power still working? Because I have a deep freezer. Uh, that would probably knock out. Well, let's <laughs> just say no, it's not. But okay. But, well, I mean, there goes a lot of it. That'll yeah. stay cold for a long time if yeah. you're careful. Chickens. Well, do you have some type of generator? No. Okay. No, we yeah. could have extended that with a generator. Yeah. Okay. I'll write that down. That's sure. actually. Hey, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I let's see. I have chickens, which which could give me a, a significant amount of protein every day. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, but then I have to feed them, but they could live off the scraps in the meantime. I'd say I'd have a month. A month. Okay. Worth of, I yeah, think that's. I think that's food. okay. Yeah. That's a good starting point. Yeah. That's pretty good. Because I have a surplus of, of like, packaged food. Yeah. Always. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, like, you know, like, it's funny. Like, I mean, I have some of that uh, 
you know, like the buckets of freeze dried food yeah. and stuff like that. And I think that's great. But man, if you're on a budget and you can't swing like 120 bucks for that kind of stuff or whatever, go to the store and get a 10 pound bag of baby. rice. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Buy all the tuna that you can yeah. on sale and just throw it in the back. I mean, yeah. Anything, anything would be good. Yeah, for I could that. probably stretch a month and a half too. We have a lot of supplements too. Like, yeah. Plus, you could kill your dog in a pinch. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> I want to get a lot of meat off of her, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, uh, not bad, uh, not bad, James. Okay, uh, uh, potential month and a half, not bad. Okay, um, how would you handle um, the cell phone network going down if you needed to, like, you know, get a message to somebody or communicate somehow? How would you do that? Um, well, I've, I've talked to the people that matter ahead of time and they know if, if they were in the same thing, they would just try to make their way here. So I guess that's one way you could look at is, is that we already ha- kind of have a half-assed plan in, pl- in place. Okay. Well, that's actually the fourth one, which was, oh, okay. you know, some type of uh, non-communication pre-plan, which is great. I don't think many people are... Uh, are doing that. Yeah. So I think that's a win. Well, they, I mean, cause like the rest of my family's in California. So they, obviously they know I'm the guy in the small town with chickens and guns. So yeah, that's, you're definitely, <laughs> definitely where they want to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, besides that, I, I have a buddy that knows radios really well. So <laughs> <laughs> you have planned properly for, for this yeah. catastrophe. Yeah, that's and, it. <laughs> in fact, I was just, th- before you said that, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I do have an extra radio we could, we could hand out. So, yeah, uh, that's good. Um, I guess that means we're good friends now if we're willing to. Uh, well, if this, share if my cell phone doesn't work, I have Xbox Live, so why can't I just use that? <laughs> yeah, good. Then yeah. you can communicate with other twelve-year-olds <laughs> and curse at each other. <laughs> okay, not bad. At least yeah. you have uh, at least you have some type of plan. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's just say that uh, the Chinese finally dropped the EMP. How mm-hmm. you, you have any plan like to get around? How do you how do you like you know maybe maybe not like super far, but just getting around. Uh, does that knock out all vehicles no matter what year or does well, that, well, no, it does knock, that go down to a certain year. It knocks out anything that has electronic fuel injection because the computer, theoretically the computer in the vehicle be yeah. fried. So what we're, what we're talking, that we're pro- well, I mean, depending on the brand well, as an average, I'd say 88, 89. Yeah. Probably. I'm screwed for that. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I don't got anything for that. You have a bicycle or anything? No, no. You don't have a bicycle? No. Excuse no. me. That's the, okay, you just spent like an hour roasting me about my motorcycle, but you don't have any way to get around. Nah, there's a neighbor with a horse. So Gu- <laughs> yeah. Guess what would happen if the if the Chinese tried to EMP my motorcycle? Yeah. Nothing. Why? Well, because I, it's carbureted and it would run forever. I don't believe in running. So <laughs> I would stay in place. Okay. Uh, well, barricade we, in place. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, when your wife leaves you, she can flag me down and <laughs> hop on the back of the motorcycle. Well, on what? There's no seat. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to hop on. Oh. <laughs> okay. Two people in an emergency could cozy up quite nicely <laughs> on, on a car. <laughs> and plus it's like 120 degrees outside. That thing is going to get hot. As, that thing is going to get yeah. unbearable. You, you know what one of those miserable experiences is, is though? Like it, it's like it's hot outside. You know, and people who don't ride bikes, they'll be like, oh, it'd be so nice to be on a bike. But no, it's just hot freaking air plowing yeah, into you. Yeah, it's even worse. You yeah. get to wherever you're going and you're just drenched in sweat. Yeah. It's not great. Covered in bugs. Yeah, yeah. Co- covered in bugs exactly. I'm actually wondering how my bike would do in extreme heat for a very long time. Because it's not liquid cooled, you know, like you have to put coolant yeah. in your truck and that's what, you know, cools yeah. it down. Uh, mine's actually an air cooled engine. So the air moving across these fins is what cools the motor down. And that's pretty hot air And sometimes. it's going straight up into that whatever you welded on it. So you just have to stand up the whole time. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I did. I did weld quite a bit on it 
Yeah. Which is pretty good. And I I do admit there are some sharp edges that don't make you happy sometimes. <laughs> but overall, fantastic. Yeah. The, the, trust, the Redditors will agree with me. But yeah, like I said, barricading in place. There's uh, I ain't going anywhere uh, if the, that happens. The lazy man's emergency plan. All right. I'll have to write that down too as <laughs> something to think about. Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. All right. Uh, question two. All right. What is the best ongoing entertainment franchise that you are eagerly awaiting the next installment to? Because everything is getting worse all the time. Is there anything yeah. good left that you're excited about? Um, whatever the Coen brothers come up with. Who's that? They, they did like Raising Arizona, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's so, not really a franchise though. That's just no, I mean, some people. Like the, the business is Coen Brothers, right? So they're kind of a franchise. No, no they're totally a franchise. No, a franchise is a continuing story of some kind. Oh, okay, that's what. Okay, um, I know you're desperately uh, awaiting. There's and- one. There's a Kill Bill, um, possibly storyline that might come off of the first two Kill Bills. Oh, cool. But I don't know if that, I, th- I, th- I don't know if that was just rumors or if that's actually going to happen. But yeah, I, I, think, I think Quentin Tarantino's only doing one more movie. Really? But that's like the only thing because th- like, like you said, every franchise is bought out and it's just yeah, everything sucks. getting destroyed. So yeah. I haven't seen the fourth John Wick movie. I bet it's as, as good as I would hope it to be. Yeah. I think, I think that, that franchise is still okay. Yeah. I'm not really looking forward to the, 28th Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, that's just not going to work. I'm tired of all the Marvel nonsense too. Yeah. Hopefully they make like a Jersey shore retirement (laughs) season. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware that there's like nine seasons of Jersey shore. Trust me, James. (laughs) I was not aware of that. Uh, I'm not surprised. They're already old as hell now, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that why I keep seeing Jersey shore Reddit on, uh, on our feed? You've been going, (laughs) you've been going. That popped up too. No, that, that somehow popped up too. Oh yeah. yeah. Suspiciously denied. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, I was just thinking this too. This next, uh, the next James Bond movie will make or break the franchise. If they decide to do all the nonsense that all the other movies are doing, yeah. it's it'll be the end. I can tell you right now, they're probably they're probably gonna do all the nonsense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I hope they don't. Yeah, I I, I am um, I am I've, I've finished forty two out of the forty four James Bond novels. Wow. I'm almost there. I'm so close. Yeah. And then they just released another one this year. I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm still trying to catch up. I'm almost there. Yeah. Um but it's it's going to absolutely devastate me if that's they a ruin small that. club of people right there. Ah uh, yeah, I think so. Probably share that achievement. Yeah. And some of them are painful. They're painfully, painfully bad, I admit. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. I mean this was like there there were no like there weren't any like just like obvious cash grabs. Um, but some of the writers they hired, uh, there've been like maybe eight or 10 writers throughout yeah. the year. Some of them just were so lackluster and, yeah. uh, and uncreative. Um, uh, but this guy I'm reading through right now, Anthony Horowitz, easily like two or the three of the best ones so far. Oh really? Yeah. Very, very cool. So, uh, he encapsulated Ian Fleming's, you know, uh, vision. Um, and maybe because he actually went back and, and wrote some stuff in that same era, yeah. like chronologically, it was very cool. Anyway, I digress on that as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the superhero movies are done. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh. All right. Here we go. This is a scenario based, scenario, okay. based question. Okay. All right. Let's just say you've wandered into a part of town that you're not familiar with some mm-hmm. city, not really sure where you are trying to get your bearings again. All right. And you keep walking and you keep noticing 
there seems to be a loosely collective group of, how do I say, ruffians. Youths. Youths. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you seem to be attracting more and more of their attention. Yeah. You know, and the longer you're there, the more they pay attention to you and the more aggressive things are starting to get. And it doesn't look like it's come to blows yet, but it's, it's decision point. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe we can reach out and, you know, make the first move. Like, hey, you know, hey, man, what's going on? You know, yeah. trying. Okay, so what is your opening line to these guys? What do you say to them? They're eyeing you. They're not sure about what's you. The, what's the age group in this? I'm going to go like early 20s. Early 20s? Yeah, guys who've graduated yeah. high school with no plan. They're just miscreants. You guys vape? <laughs> 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 okay okay I always have a a, 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 uh, <laughs> a drop vape in my pocket just for that so i can <laughs> throw it in case a, a, a gang of youths is coming yeah i can throw it in the opposite direction oh, and head the other and here i am asking <laughs> you about preparedness you should be teaching me <laughs> that is the ultimate play <laughs> ever a drop vape well yeah. i gotta write that down <laughs> yeah i can add that to my list yeah drop yeah vape. Years um, to go bag <laughs> any, for sure. Any particular flavor of, of drop because whatever the most obnoxious flavor is, oh, you know, because probably like a watermelon grape. Yeah, something, something like that. Or Monster Energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah flavored. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great answer. <laughs> very comical. Kudos. I I didn't think you were gonna come up with something that was that good. That's quite that uh, impressive. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I asked. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking a lot about health and fitness lately, and. Um, it occurs to me that I have been a part of so many potentially productive conversations with people because, you know, when you're good at something, people come to you for advice. And a lot of times when you spend time with someone to give, you know, give them advice, um, they either don't do what, what you say or they sort of yeah. do it. Okay, so I've had this conversation more times than I want to. Okay, so what do you tell someone who is looking for your advice and they say that they're doing everything right but they can't lose weight? Um, I just try to pick their mind and figure out what they're actually doing because usually they're not doing anything. Uh, cause like if you had like all the, the missing ingredient is consistency. So like yeah. whether it's consistency with your diet or your exercise, like that's all you need. And like if that's three days a week, if that's, um, trying it out for like two months minimum, like just those two things, you'll see a, a difference whether you're trying to go up or down. Yeah. I, th- and, I would, uh, I would also say that in, uh, uh, intensity, um, along with consistency, this, I'm actually asking this because I've seen a couple of people who are in our, you know, work sphere. We don't really work yeah. with them, but we are around them enough. Um, same thing, man. You know, I, I'm in the gym all the time and I'm not getting results. But they, this person usually when they off- say that, it's like they tried it for like three days for, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, like for, they tried it for three weeks and that's it. Every like, time I go to the gym, I see one particular person like sitting on a machine, just texting for like mm-hmm. half an hour straight. And, and that's all they do. I'm like, well, what do you think is going to yeah. happen? You know, yeah. I think people are so addicted to their phones that yeah. they can't take any time off. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely say consistency first. Um, like, cause if you, like I said, if you just showed up and you did a, a 30 minute workout for three days, um, you know, for two months minimum, 
uh, three days a week, two months minimum, you're going to see a huge difference. Yeah. And then you can, it'll, it'll inspire you to go, you know, more intense, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. You know, what's insane to me is that, you know, the health and fitness industry is, is, I mean, multi-billion dollar industry every year, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's all, you know, people releasing their books or workout programs or this or that, but there's not a person on earth who doesn't already know what the answer is. There's only two things, eat good food and move your body. That's it. Yeah. And that is entirely it. Yeah. And they like, they won't implement the consistency to just see it work. You know? Yeah. They're looking for, uh, fat burning pills or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hunger suppressives. Yeah. Yeah. We're both thinking exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) We can move on. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And you can almost die from, you know, trying to take a shortcut. Oh my goodness. You can almost die from that. Who knew that if you try to take shortcuts with your health, it could be unproductive and unsafe. Anyway, well, uh, we don't need to get too far into that. Okay. Uh, Last question. (laughs) I, 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 this is going to sound weird, but I love money. Okay. I love being productive with money. I like saving yeah. money. I like being adept with money. I like, you know, retirement. Yeah. You know, I'm a minimalist. Like, I like managing money well, okay? Yeah. So, um, I, I've seen so many bizarre, weird things on the internet for advertisements and money suggestions, yeah. whatever. So, here's my question to you. Oh, gosh. It, what is the worst get-rich-quick scheme you've ever heard of? Oh, Okay. Uh man, cause I, I saw you saw a sigh of relief. You're like, oh no, he's gonna ask about my finances. Yeah, yeah, thank I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah, well, so I know what's coming next time. But yeah, no, I I've um, it's funny because I've I'm old enough to see like I've lived through the wave of pyramid schemes that have come my way. Oh yeah, you know where you're like um, you see people from high school that reach out to you and you think, oh, they're just trying to catch up, and then oh, all of a sudden yeah. they're like, hey man, I got some questions for you, or yeah. I got a cool you know cool business idea for you and it's some it's you know some uh herbal tea or or some sort of pyramid scheme but yeah i i've i've been to a bunch of those and thank god i was never dumb enough to to sign up for any of those but yeah yeah um man it's just like the and they're all the same like i i it doesn't matter which one you pick. It's not about selling the product. It's about getting people under you to do your work. Yeah, and there's people that are good at it, but those people are like completely morally bankrupt. Like they're they're not good people yeah. at all. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I agree. With you. <laughs> you have to be a scummy person to be good at those. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that that pyramid schemes have yeah. such a bad stigma. You know, those are typically the type of people you find inside of them. Uh, unfortunately, you know what's funny? Yeah, they're ruthless. Man. It's funny you, you you that was your answer because I remember there was this. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I remember meeting this really cool girl. And yeah, we exchanged numbers and we talked for like three or four days, and then she dropped the yeah the pyramid scheme bomb. And I was like, oh, dude, what a waste of my yeah. time. Yeah, ridiculous. You just felt used. I did feel used, <laughs> not in a good way either. Well, that, that's that's what they do to you because there's someone in town that like I thought was being friendly and wanted to take us out to lunch, and it's the first time they they met us. And, but then of course, like if it's the first time, if someone's so hungry to, to get your attention, then usually something's going on. Like, yeah. Yeah. Either you're you're not that nice pyramid scheme or there's, there's swingers and you know, (laughs) both of those things are not good in my book. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) And, and sure enough, they, they kept trying to bring up like, um, 
finances in the conversation and I kept using some verbal judo to switch the conversation you know, to back, something else. Back to and I, I kept preparing their attack, you know. Yeah, back to guns and Legos. Uh, like, and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just kept mo- moving the conversation past. Because you saw that. it happening. I could see the frustration uh, yeah. in there. Did your wife know. catch on to that too? Um, n- not until they texted my wife after we left to I give see. the proposal because they couldn't get any any time uh, in. Yeah. So it went it went over here. Way to shut them down, man. Yeah. I I hope that they paid yeah. for the dinner too. <laughs> no, actually I did in my head it was an alpha move be like, no, like to prove that I didn't I didn't need the <laughs> awesome. pyramids game, I offered to pay for them. That's a that is to show that there's nothing they could give me. So that was actually intentional for Oh, me. dude. Yeah. In, uh, dude, what great move. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. But yeah, they got a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> You're just supporting yeah. their habits, man. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> Oh, good answer. Yeah. Really good answer. Uh, that's uh, yeah. that's crazy. It's insane. Some of these like insane schemes that you hear, um, you know, like, do you think that all of a sudden this one person shows up on, on TikTok with the 13 second video and has the answer to wealth for you? Yeah. You know, how do people fall for this? Um, yeah, they're just preying on their, their laziness, I guess. Yeah. 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 You know what's interesting? If you're listening to this and, 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 uh, you know, you're looking for answers with the finances. I just read a book. Uh, called Everyday Millionaires, and it was a study of 10,000 first-generation millionaires who didn't win the lottery or have any yeah. any inheritance. Um, and uh, two of the most common occupations were accountant, not a high-paying job, and teacher, yeah. definitely not a high-paying job. 79% of these people who became millionaires just put small amounts of money in their 401k or TSP throughout their whole life. Because here's what happens when you get to retirement and you have no money. What did you do wrong? You didn't put any money in. You have to put money somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my uh, uh, that's my financial advice for uh, for no one who asked for it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't want to look at and see what they're doing and try to um, replicate that instead of demonizing those people, you know. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, I mean, you, for, for I think for most people who are in like that average income bracket, you either get to enjoy your life now with your nice cars and your things or you get to enjoy it, you know, later in retirement. Now, baby, you don't. (laughs) Yeah, you don't typically get to do both, you know, unfortunately. But that's another whole podcast episode, too. (laughs) Any uh, any last comments um, uh, on this uh, Masada Hellcat comparison? I think it went really good. I had so much fun at the range. Uh, Like I said, they're just they're just so close to each other. Yeah, really, really close. No, it's just um, user's choice um, at this point. I think it's uh, the the big thing is to, to. to know that that gun exists and to check it out because it's, it is stylish. It is interesting and probably best striker fire trigger I've, I've picked up. Yeah. In the $400 range. Definitely. Um, I think the, the Canic or neck and neck, I haven't, I haven't tried the, the, the subcompact, uh, Canic. I'd like to think that I was excited about that pistol, but, um, friend picked it up and you can't get that magazine out. You can't really? shake it out if you even if you tried. You have to wow. rip it out. So that's not good. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know mm. if I need to try another one to make sure it's not. It wasn't just that a lemon, but yeah, yeah, that's a big no no. Well, certainly in the four hundred dollar range, uh, that trigger is it might be at the top of the list. Yeah, um, and like I said, the trigger is the gun. Yeah, you know, amazing. Yeah, cool man. Well, uh, kudos to you on your uh, vaping preparedness <laughs> and uh, other answers. Not too bad. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> We always wrap it up by saying this. Always remember, you're either prepared to encounter adversaries or you aren't. Ready or not, here they come. 